Welcome to the Freud's Angels podcast, where two highly intuitive women dig into everyday problems using our connection to the divine, psychology, and energy work. We support you in your self-awareness, growth, and aid you in your shadow work. Now we're your hosts. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Grace. Let's get into the show. Hello, angels. How are y'all doing? Welcome to episode 147 of the Freud's Angels podcast. We are uh, we are happy and chilling and ready to talk about this beautiful topic because it's going to be really easy for us to talk about this beautiful topic. <laughs> if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you will know that we believe in this and that it will be that that it's that, that like we're, we're going to have to rein ourselves in on this yeah. because it's it's super important. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's something that we should be talking about more because we've lost this in our society. And it's like so super important. It's so much it has to do with connectivity and communication with each other and community and all that kind of stuff. So now that I've been nice and cryptic, what is it that we're going to talk about today, Grace? <laughs> we're going to talk about what we do on this podcast, and that is storytelling. Um, and, you know, storytelling, people think, oh, fiction books. And it's not just fiction. Storytelling has a lot to do with sharing our lives and sharing the things that happen and how they happen and the things we've learned. And, you know, and how that impacts the world and how sometimes it's important to tell toward Tell, oh God, geez, here I go. Um, it's really early for me, so yeah, forgive your brain me. Is like, tell stories, let's do it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So it's you know, it's what we love to do. We're air, we're both air signs. I mean, I'm I'm a double air sign. She's triple air sign. So it's like we <laughs> we love doing this. Um, it's kind of our forte, but. You know, many of us don't realize is that the impact that sharing our life experiences and how we've managed and navigated through that. I think that that's one of the reasons I think those of us who are in this type of like healing industry, whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, energy healing, whatever it is, and, and we get into these spaces because we went and sought help. Like, I know that me becoming an energy practitioner came from having an energy session with someone and the relief that I felt in that moment and the life-changing things that happened because of that. Like, it was like, I want to know more of it because I want to heal my life further. But I also would love to share this with others and give others the access to this type of beautiful energy and the ability to take it and help change your life the way that you want to, whether it's healing things, whether it's letting go of thoughts, beliefs, whatever you're seeking, but to have it help aid you on that journey. Um, Vanessa, do you have a favorite story that impacted you like a lot, like really deeply, like you heard from someone that really kind of inspired you to do something that was pretty profound? That's a good question. And I feel like my brain was like 63,000 of them. Here they come. <laughs> but but you have to pick a favorite, which. Well, 
Okay, I'm a Libra. Libra season. Yeah. Pick is like, as soon as you say pick, it's like, no. <laughs> I cannot. It is not. That is a word that does not exist in me. <laughs> it's that. I mean, it's funny because like a little bit of a side. It really is like that. Like it, when my daughter asks me to pick a favorite something, it's almost like I feel bad for the other thing that <laughs> is now not going to be my favorite. It's like the Libraness runs so deep within me, like <laughs> the fairness and equality. It's like, I don't want a favorite this. I don't want it. Like it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, well, so doing what I do, stories are like, they're all my favorite. You know what I mean? Like I really am touched by anybody's story because I feel like we all have the opportunity to learn from somebody's story. I think like when, you know, like we, we all know I love Wayne Dyer and I really love like when he, like the, the story that he's told of his life, but really just any story of like enlightenment, any story of like, here's how I got myself out of the worst time of my life and here's how I found myself, or here's how I reached my heart and my soul and, and, and it guided me. Like, I love any story that's like that, but I really love every story. You know, like even when people are telling me, you know, not so great stories, the emotion that comes in to, to that, whether it's anger or whatever, it, to me, it's like a beautiful process of existing in the moment, a beautiful process of accessing ourselves in, in that moment. So, I will, I, I, most Libra answer ever. I can, I don't have a favorite, <laughs> but I, I just, my favorite is that people tell stories. I think that it's that, that I will listen to just about anybody's story. Well, sure. I'll share something that recently impacted me. <laughs> let's, let's go that route. Yeah. Like, okay. Let's, yeah. Let's I'm going to like some cinnamon. Maybe it'll help me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Brown. Right. <laughs> Vanessa's like, help, help. Yeah, I was like, oh God. <laughs> Not only was I on the spot, but I had to choose something. Yeah. Sorry. I that wasn't fair. My bad. It is all good because you know what? It was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I need the push sometimes. Um, so those of you all who I don't know if y'all listened to the last week's podcast, but so my let me start with, so people in my life were sharing their stories, like my, um, a supervisor at work, like she's going through some female reproductive issues and she's making surgical decisions of what to do and, and things like that. And so I had that story there. And then one of my best friends in Arizona and I have been talking about, you know, she's been struggling with some of her, you know, the menopause thing, the, you know, some of the other things that are happening to her. And then, um, and then even Vanessa sharing her story with her challenge and, and recently of, of needing surgery um, in that area. And since I moved up to the Pacific Northwest, I have not established care for gynecological reasons. And, you know, and, and having and seeing them and, and them like, um, and I also, I have another friend out East that just had, just went through some issues with hers. So like, there's been all these people and all these women around me having challenges around gynecological issues and, and sharing them with me and sharing their stories and sharing what they're going through and the decisions that they're having to make and the impact that it's having. And I, you know, it kind of inspired me. I'm like, yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time to reestablish care. I 
have PCOS, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's polycystic ovary syndrome. And basically what it means is the cysts grow on your ovaries and there's no ovulation. And so your cycles can sometimes get messed up. The hormonal imbalances that happen are insane. And the hirsutism, which is the facial hair that comes with it and all of the things that happen inside your body. And also you're predisposed to weight gain, especially around the abdominal area. Those know I have a belly. So it's, there's a lot of challenges that are with it, but it's kind of been stable. I refuse to take birth control because I think that's part of the reason what contributed to this. Because when I, I've been on, I was on birth control at 16 and like, I feel that that really imbalanced me and, and there was, my body didn't like it. And so I just, it was stable enough for me to just be like, yeah, okay, whatever. So when I went in to my new provider, like just to establish care to get my yearly exam, because it was probably almost five years since the last one. And I was on the five year, you get one that comes back normal, you wait for five years kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I was talking to her and she, you know, said, I explained my, my symptoms of what I'm having and, and told her that I have been diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome and so on and so forth. And we had a discussion and she's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we need to do an ultrasound, you know, to see, you know, where the cysts are in your ovaries, what do they look like? She's like, she really went into that space of like, she validated the fact that it was polycystic ovaries because she's like, we look for, um, we look for three symptoms out of the like five or six. And she says, you have almost all of those. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably do this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a, um, it, you know, and, and then she's like, we'll do the ultrasound and then come back. We'll do the exam and we'll do the HPV test, which they do, I think, normally now every all the time. But um, she also said, I would love to do a uterine biopsy just to check. She said, having abnormal cycles, having because having moments of like heavy bleeding and then no bleeding. And she says it creates a really rich environment for cancer to show up. And I was like, whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, and then I left and had the ultrasound, came back like days later for my exam, completely had forgotten about the uterine biopsy conversation. Totally. Cause I was like, it was, I, in my mind, it wasn't happening. Like I was right. like, no, there's no need for it. Why do this? Like there's no symptoms. Right. I, I don't have it. It's so it's fine. It's mm -hmm. fine. So we get in there and we start talking. She's like, oh, and we're going to do the uterine biopsy today. And I'm like, do we have to? I'm like, but then I was like, okay, fine. Cause I, I was just in a space of like, I, you know, there's a lot of shame and trauma in, in my life around that part of my body. And like to go through having the ultrasound, then to have another, I was kind of at my limit emotionally and, and really in a triggered state of like, just experiencing that deepest shame and that whatever else was happening emotionally connected to that part of my body. And not to mention we store our deepest traumas in that part of our body. So if we've had trauma, that's where it goes. And that's why, you know, women who have experienced any type of trauma, whether it's birth trauma, when they were born, whether it's trauma, you know, in any, it's like really deep stuff that you don't really ever want to kind of go to. It's like things that you probably will not, you know, that are not a good place to maybe go to, to talk about, because they're deeper than what one can normal fathom. Anyways, I digress. So 
we went through the exam and then she did the biopsy and it was one of the most painful things I have ever experienced in my entire life. Like I've had joint replacement surgeries. I've done fusions. I've done like multiple surgeries and I would do any of them over again, as long as I didn't have to have a, another uterine biopsy. Like I had, I have an IUD twice. I had an IUD put in and taken out and that hurt and it took two seconds. Like I can't even imagine what happened there. Cause, cause they don't numb it. It's like, yeah. it's the same with the IUD. They clamp your cervix. Like yeah. this is TMI. So if you're a man, it's just not TMI, it's yeah. normal. We need to know the so, shit. <laughs> so they clamp like an IUD, they clamp your cervix so they can insert it. Well, they do that, but then they take something and they go in and they grab like part of your uterine cells, like, and they hold it until it pinches it off. I mean, yes, <laughs> exactly what they do while you're awake and while you're feeling it. And again, right. anybody who's ever even, I mean, even if you've had a pap smear, you know that after that swab, sometimes you start to cramp, it starts to hurt and you're like, holy shit, but it goes away, right? Like no, clamping inside there, clamping. Oh my God. And oh, so God. like, it's just the memories of it. I'm like, Oh, I'm dizzy. Yeah. No. I didn't yeah. The empath over here didn't happen to me, but I feel it. <laughs> I'm feeling the pain and it hurts and I want it to stop. And I, it's not even happening. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, tears, just tears streaming. Not only the emotional impact of having an exam, but just the, the fact of just what a, the trauma of just going through that. Yeah. So she even, she, she stayed, usually they leave they're like get dressed you're fine and but she saw that i was just overwhelmed and upset and she just kind of hung out she's like it's a lot i'm like yeah it's just it's a lot and you know not she doesn't even know about any of the other like emotional trauma that comes along with that part of my body and yeah. you know and just like experiencing that and and i was grateful that she kind of hung out and was like you know, just checking to see if I was okay and like hanging out with me for a few seconds and whatever. And I'm just like, it's okay. I'll be fine. And then, and then of course, because you do a biopsy, there's bleeding. Um, and this is, this is the thing. And I think I want to share this because this is something that so many people go through. Again, we're storytelling, right? We're telling a story. We're sharing the things that happened to us. Why? Because it helps normalize it in others. Others, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person. So it helps us become more shame resilient when we know that it's not just us that are that are experiencing this, right? Absolutely. So, you know, of course, you they say you have bleeding afterwards, you'll have spotting. And I was like, okay, you know, and that happens. I get that. So I expected that. What I did not expect was my uterine to have its revenge era post this biopsy. So having PCOS, I think especially towards when you get towards premenopause, you tend to have, um, get abnormal bleedings where it's like, it's not a bleeding situation. It's a hemorrhaging situation where you're, you're kind of like, there's no controlling it, but it is a period type of bleed, right? So it's, and, and I didn't expect that to happen. It hasn't happened. It happens for me probably every six, seven months to a year. And so you know, and I had one probably a little less than a year ago, a little over a year ago, maybe. Um, and like to wake up one morning and to have it like that was like, it was awful. And I was like, what is happening? And 
and to have that for three days, like by the third day, you're starting to wonder whether I should go to the hospital because I may need a blood transfusion, like type of energy, like this is getting serious. This is not, you know, and, and of course then it stops once you made the decision, I need to go to urgent care. Of course. It's like, no, just kidding. Yeah. So I wanted you to pay attention. Yeah. Now I've got your attention. Yes. So, um, <laughs> I got a call. I, those, I am like, if you, if a result shows up in my portal, my patient portal, I am on it. Like <laughs> I, you know, I am just on it. Like I have, I am Miss Google queen. Like, let's find out what all this means and why is it like this? And so I, um, my, you know, my path and my HPV came back clear. I'm like, see, we didn't need to do that fucking biopsy. And I was mad because we did the biopsy and it created this chaos and carnage within my life. Yeah. And another medical bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I to kill my insurance company. Exactly. You just want more money from me. Absolutely. I, that's 100% where I would have been. Like, you yeah. don't care about me. <laughs> no. But then I get this, uh, the biopsy results on a Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, well, five o'clock at night, night. And I go in and I look at it and it's all Greek to me because they're using words. I have no idea what they mean. So I clickety clack, get to Google. <laughs> and what I discovered kind of put me in a little bit of a panic. And I was kind of like, oh my God, like, is this really what I'm reading? And, but I'm like, girl, you don't know. So I had to talk myself off the ledge. I'm like, you don't know what all this means. You think you know, because you're taking tiny pieces of information on the internet, which you can't even fucking trust anyways, because half of it's a lie. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I'm like, you're creating situations that may not be happening. And so I was like really clear. And I was trying to talk myself off the ledge. And I was just like, you know, I'm like, look, I understand we want to freak out and I get it, but let's wait until we hear from her. Okay. Before we go making decisions and freaking out and having panic attacks and let's, can we just wait? And I was like, okay, I had talked myself off the ledge and I went to bed. I had already like, those, of you know, I have, I have sleep apnea. So I'm like, my seat, my mask is on and I'm ready to go to sleep. And I'm, and I get a phone call from the Vancouver clinic and at eight 30 at night. And I'm like, Oh. And in my heart, my heart just sank because I knew they're not going to call you if everything's fine. They're not going to call you at 830 at night when everything yeah. is okay. It's and at night, everything's fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so God bless my doctor. Like her kindness and her thoughtfulness about knowing that that result popped in because she saw it. She's like, I saw it come in and I knew you. I, I wanted to make sure I told you what was happening her thoughtfulness matters. And that made a really, that it was so kind because I, when I was diagnosed with polycystic ovaries, it was done by a male gynecologist who told me the news over the phone. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 19, I'm 19 to find this out. And I asked, and I said, so what does that mean though? And he's like, Oh, you just won't have children. Okay. Thank you. Like at 19, like that kind of news to a 19 year old woman who assumes that their life is going to be about getting married and having kids. Like yeah. now at 46, I see God's plan in this <laughs> and, I it. and I'm grateful because like, that's not the route that I needed to go. Like I helped for five years. I raised 
three beautiful stepsons, that was where I was at. That was my purpose. Ooh. Having children, not my purpose. Not, and I'm very clear about that. And at the time I felt sad and I kind of mourned the idea of it. But now at my age, where I'm at, I'm very clear that it was it, it was my path. And I'm okay with it. Not everybody's meant to have children. Some people want to and can't. And I and I feel so heartbroken for them. But for me, in the in the end, and seeing this, I've never had a partner where I felt like I wanted to make babies with them, first of all. Second of all, it's like I understand the the, the trajectory of my life and how not having children has been helpful to that trajectory of my life. And because I couldn't imagine having a chronic illness at 30 and having to care for a child and to maneuver through having a chronic illness and then to support a child, especially, it just, it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. And when I got the chronic illness, the drugs I take, they're like, we would have to abort it because of the fact that it's, it prevents cells from growing. So I'd either have a miscarriage or it would be, have severe birth defects. So like, there's reasons there's reasons here and and i'm okay with it now like i was okay with it probably quite a few years afterwards when raising three stepsons i'm like i don't want to do this on my own I'm like i did that enough but anyways i digress let's go back to the test i she was like so what it all means she says is the fact that they do find clusters of precancerous cells and even some of them even look like going into the stage of being cancerous and um and she says what's going to happen and she explained it to me and she says i'm going to refer you to dr i call her wishman because i just like that name it's wise it's wisman wiseman was something whatever anyways but wishman is the, wishman. Mm -hmm. yeah sorry so, Doctor, whoever you are, you're Dr. Wishman now. <laughs> so, so she's like, I'll refer you to them. And she says, and probably the chances are is that you'll have surgery. You'll have you'll you'll have a complete hysterectomy because of having polycystic ovaries. You know, some people mostly leave an ovary or something for hormonal, but being that my ovaries are cystic, you never know what's gonna happen. And if they if it comes to a point where I have to like it's easier just to have them all out. Like yeah, just, I mean it's almost like, well, listen, we're not using it. We yeah. got multiple problems. Well, yeah. how, how many times are we going in here to deal with these problems? Or are we yeah. just deal with all of the possible problems at once because why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I want to, let's bring it back to the original reason for me storytelling this, these moments in my life. But if it hadn't been for Vanessa, for my supervisor, for my friend Chris, for my friend Lisa, all sharing with me their stories, sharing with me the struggles that they're having, sharing with me their journey about this and about their own process. It never would have inspired me to get the care in that moment that I needed and to catch this at a stage where I just need the surgery and no further like interventions are needed. Like, had I not experienced their stories, they're sharing with me their experiences, their life, their struggles, whatever they're experiencing and the path that they're taking, I never would have been at that point where I was making a decision to get gynecological care. And I probably never would have caught this until it became an issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is one very kind of like specific type of storytelling but we have many stories. We have many things within us that we experience. Like, you know, I mean, for me, like 
dealing with chronic illnesses, using the idea of mental wellness and my emotions and seeing where it's impacting me and how it's affecting me and, and moving that into that space of, okay, like I want to, you know, I want to heal this and not just through typical medication. I want more, you know, than just using meds to maintain my disease. I want to come at it at all factors. Having all of that knowledge and sharing that with others and talking about it and, you know, inspires others to kind of do the same thing. Like there's so many facets of each of us, you know, I mean, Vanessa, she's, she used to do a lot of uh, lives about fertility and about the idea of the struggle with fertility and, you know, the idea of what she's experiencing. So all of the stories that we're sharing into the world, we're impacting someone. And even if they don't hear it in the time that you share it, there's so many times that people will come across it later or when they need it in life and hear that story and it will impact them. I mean, in, in, in the face of it, it's like some of the times we talk to new listeners to the podcast and they've gone back to listen to old episodes. We created these episodes three years ago, which is hard to believe and fathom. No, totally like, just just putting myself in the three years ago space i'm like wow yeah and and to have that those stories even if they've changed or morphed or we've had new awareness that story impacted that person now from something i've said three years we've said three years ago mm-hmm. so it's not i don't know i just feel that our stories are important our stories and what we experience and how we maneuver through them. And even if we haven't come out the other side, I do believe that there is a there is sometimes a misnomer of, I have to heal this in order to tell my story. No, 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 no. Sometimes when we're in the thick of it, if we have bandwidth to share it, and maybe it's not on social media, maybe it's just with a friend, maybe just sharing your story. There's, there's It builds that sense of like, I'm experiencing this. Maybe they have too. And they're like, oh, I so understand how, what you're going through. And I'm so sorry. How can I support you? They like connecting with people who experience the same thing. They have a deeper awareness of how to support you than maybe somebody who doesn't understand. And maybe you can articulate the support you need. Like knowing those things, like, for example, having a chronic illness, doing things with people that don't. Like if, if, a person who has a chronic illness, especially a physical disability, said to me, hey, let's go do something. I'm like, okay, I know that there's limited amount of time that they have before they're at their energy tank is at zero, that we need to be aware of seating. We need to be aware of places that the person can sit down. We need to be aware of like, you know, how long we're doing it. And like, like if say we're going for a hike, like is it an easy flat hike or is it multiple levels? Is it challenging? Like, most people don't consider those things, but because I have that experience, I have awareness around it. So I can ask the questions to them and inquire, what are your needs at this, this, and this? Like, do, you know, because I want to make them successful in this, in these moments. It's like, people don't understand grocery shopping. There's a reason why I don't do it anymore is because if I do grocery shopping at one store, that's it for the entire day. That's all I got. And it's not because the energy piece, it's the physical pain that I experience because of grocery shopping. 
it's it's I have more energy to expend, but I don't physic I can't physically do it because of the amount of pain that I'm in. And for even the next day, I went I tried grocery shopping once, and then the next day, done. And I was like, oh, this is why I don't do that. <laughs> like, you know. So again, these are just stories. But when we have stories, we're we're easily more easily to relate to others, and we help others by making them feel not so alone. Yeah. Well, there's so many different ways, like ways that stories matter. I mean, when you go back to times before everything, really, before technology, <laughs> storytelling was the way that information was passed in between generations. It was the way that it was passed in between, you know, just humans, right? Like you weren't going to learn anything unless you learned it from somebody. And it was going to come with a story. You know, it wasn't just going to be like a factual, like, here's a this, that, and the other. It was a story. People would sit around and hear stories, you know, um, because that's how we connect. We connect to the humanness piece of it. If you tell me, um, you know, kind of like logistically how things work, I might get it. But if you tell me a story about how it worked in your life, I'm going to understand it a little bit different because I'm feeling emotion attached to it especially, you know, the empaths out there, we feel the entire freaking story. So we're like, not going to forget that, yeah. you know, but <laughs> like, I, I feel like there's so many different ways that stories impact that I, that we're not even aware of, like on a regular basis that we don't, we don't sit in the awareness of it. But I also know, you know, that we have, we've kind of, at some point, the pendulum swung all the way to the other side of storytelling being something to be shameful for we started to bring in the idea of guilt and shame. And so you should not share things unless they are positive things, right? Like you don't share the negative stuff because number one, it makes you weak. Number two, it makes you, you know, it, it shows that you are irresponsible or whatever, you know, like we're, we're attaching all these negative things in there. People don't want to hear it. I don't have time for this. You know, like you have to figure out stuff on your own. Like we created this really negative thing around storytelling when it, wasn't just like a, a joyful fairy tale you know like we could, we could tell those all day long yeah tell me about your tell me about the best thing that ever happened to you tell me about you know all these wonderful things tell me the story of because i want to go into this wonderland with you yeah but the reality being that that disconnected us all emotionally from the community that helps us get through the things that we've decided are negative so we do need to be able to storytell all of the things. We need to be able to share the information. And even when we talk about storytelling, I think some of us, I'm I'm like kind of hit or miss. Sometimes I don't want to even talk. You know, sometimes when like somebody calls me and they want to talk and I'm just kind of like, I don't even want to tell, like, I don't want to tell the story, <laughs> right? Like I just don't have it in me, you know? And then there are other times where I really do feel like sharing the story because I feel, I feel good about what, what that, that is out there. We're so out of practice with it that it makes it really difficult. You know, I think sometimes to even find the words to tell the stories, um, you know, if you've had trauma around, you know, we, we talked about this in our, um, in our, our, our card pull, you know, if we've had trauma around speaking up, then we've lost our voice. We don't know how to tell a story. We're, we're afraid to tell a story. We don't know how, how to articulate that in a way that people would accept it because we've articulated things in ways that people didn't accept, right? Like I know 
I mean, some, some religious trauma too, but like, I know that for me, a lot, there was a lot of guilt and shame around some of the stories that was inside me. Like, you can't do that. You can't show that. And then becoming a therapist made it worse because then it was like, well, listen, you have to live. I, I remember being in the residency and the guy that I don't even remember who it was, what professor was kind of like, well, you know, you're, you're, you're basically taking an oath to live an ethical life. So there's certain things that like you're, you're, you're presenting yourself out there as a therapist. You've got to make sure that, you know, like you're, you're presenting this like ethical being and I'm paraphrasing to a point, but it really wasn't that far off from that. And I thought this sucks. Like, <laughs> like I can't live, I can't live that life. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a real person and I do shit and like, I can't hide. You know, like in my mind, I was like, I can't go out and like watch football and have a couple beers now, you know, because I'm, because what if somebody sees me, you know, there was this whole thing about my being, being something that I had to pick and choose who shows up in the world. And that goes deeper into talking about ourselves and showing who we are and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it took a long time for me to break free from that, to be able to share these kind of things, especially in the role that I'm in, you know, to be able to say like, listen, if I'm having a shit day and I'm acting like a maniac, I can talk about that because that's valuable to somebody who has the idea, right? Because they've all been taught what I was taught in school that like, oh, the therapists, they got their shit together because they have all the information and they have all the tools. And it's like, there's no such thing as having your shit together because shit comes at you that's not even yours and you have to deal with it, you know, like, and, and so it's the tools that matter. And so I try to share as much as I can about all the things, the good things too, you know, to keep people talking. I think that the idea of storytelling ultimately is communication and connection. Yeah. And there's so many ways to communicate and there's so many reasons for connection that it's literally just talking to each other about stuff yeah and we need to do it we 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 have lost the art of it because people are busy people are irritated people are anxious people are depressed we've been kind of taught to stay away from each other because we make our lives harder when we try to connect unless it's positive mm. and it's like the exact opposite has happened you, you really look at it that's what's happened people yeah. are alone because they've been taught not to burden others and have difficulty, you know, accepting the help that comes with that. They're not expressing it, so they're not getting the help. I mean, there's multiple reasons why, you know, the lack of storytelling or even just sharing information has really put us in a really horrible place in our society. Yep. It has. And, you know, and, and communication both ways. Like if you know, so if you don't, like there are days I don't have the bandwidth to, because I'm an emotional upsetter, I'm an anxiety. And to have someone come and share their story and an emotionality that I, because of who I am and how I absorb and how I experience people, like I, there are times I'm like, I don't have the capacity to hear stories. Mm -hmm. It's, the space, the communication and the ability to say, hey, I really want to hear what's going on with you. Could we do this ex at this time? Or can we connect at this time? Like, you don't even have to tell them that you don't have the capacity because it denotes that they're too much. Like, yeah. it, it's just saying, hey, I really want to connect with you. Can we connect at this time? Or like recently, one of my friends and I, because we don't talk, we just kind of, we just 
chat online uh, because we don't live near each other, but we've gotten to a point where if there, if we need to share something that's heavy, we will preface say it's like, hey, do you have space to listen to something today? Like, because sometimes I don't and sometimes I do, but it gives each of us the choice to check in with ourselves and say, you know what? I do. I Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Or, you know what? I'm really overwhelmed today and I don't know that I have the capacity to hear this. And then we can talk about it later, but it's the idea of, like you said, it's communication. It's the idea of, but in the past, like you said, like to say no to a friend would be like, it's the anti-people pleaser type of energy of like, but I'm supposed to hear everybody and support all my friends. And this is what support looks like. It's 24 seven. And I'm supposed to be always available to them. Like, no, that's not true. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's struggling with that side of receiving stories is the idea, regardless of what's happening internally with me, it's like, or with anyone like that, we have to actually listen to everything mm -hmm. and we don't have autonomy over when we're hearing stories in that. There's yeah. another story, you know? Yeah. Well, because what you're describing is a person in distress needing to tell a story. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, how do we get in distress in the first place? Yeah. Because all along we weren't aware or communicating right because the reality being right like for the most part aside from like big things that happen right if we're kind of going along and we're like in pretty good awareness we're knowing where we're at we're seeing where we're at we're like kind of handling bit by bit along the way so we don't usually drop off the deep end right like to that extent right like that that we're like freaking out right that and so that that kind of tells the story of what we're doing. We're we're telling people that the time that you talk, the time that you tell your story is at the desperate part. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, like, and that's where everything becomes heavy, right? Like we talk about that and that's where we, that's where we're creating more trauma, right? Because that person is now at this place, right? It happens to me all the time because my, like, God bless me. I let my clients like send me texts and messages throughout the week because I need to know sometimes what they act like when they're in those moments. Cause they show up with me and they're like, yeah, I had a rough time. And I'm like, what does that mean? Ah, I was like, what? like, no, no, I need to know what that means. Right. Like, and so there are times where I would get like spiral text and I'd be like, I know what that means. Now I'm watching it happen. Right. Like I don't get that opportunity. So um, that being said, like that person, you know, that, that they'll experience a level of trauma if they come at desperation time and people can't hear them, right? Because their desperation time is 10 a.m. on a Thursday. People are at work. Nobody can hear me, right? Like, and now, now nobody wants to hear me, you know, like because I'm already in a distressed place. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm thinking with my trauma brain and now it's added trauma. How did we even get here? Right. And that's like the work that I do of being like, well, what, what, how did we get to the point where it was like desperate time? What happened? What, what where was the awareness before that? Because there was where there, there's, there's clues before we got to this point. And there's also a root cause that 
makes this so much like somebody needs to hear me. Somebody needs to validate me. Somebody needs to support me like in that desperate faith. Because when we are good and we know this to be true, when we are mostly good and mostly stable, we are mostly okay. And we are able to tell our stories a little bit later or to kind of recap our stories. And it's not about this gushing and needing, right? Like it's more about what we've been talking about before of telling the story, hey, here's what's going on, right? Like, because I need some support, but it's not desperate support. It's not you're my only hope today (laughs) kind of support. It's even just holding space. Yeah. Being received, just being like, wow, really struggling with this. And, you know, and I'll work it out, but it's just, it's like, I need it out of my head kind of thing. Like I don't, you know, and I've learned too, is because I used to be that person. I used to feel that my stories and what I was working through didn't matter. And I didn't want to burden them with others. Mm -hmm. And that's when I stopped telling stories. And then it got to a point and I wouldn't even tell them when I was at crisis moment, I would just experience it by myself and alone. And when it resulted in something serious like surgery or like some event they were like i didn't know this was happening and i was like i know i'm like i didn't tell anybody like you know why did you tell me i could have supported you because i my brain keeping me safe and not vulnerable decided that nobody wanted to hear my shit. like oh they're struggling with enough i don't want to add shit to them i even find myself knowing all of this i still find myself into that phase into that conversation and i'm like really we're going to talk about where you know you talk about having equality and friendships and sharing and mutual sharing but you're not willing to do it because you've told yourself your sharing doesn't matter yeah and it's a burden but yet here you are again creating the same situations you've already created even though you talk so much about having that equality like so the i i didn't really want this to be complex but it 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 has a lot to do about knowing and understanding why we don't share things i think yeah. and the reason why we don't and why we do we 100 percent need to know those things <laughs> right because as you were talking i was thinking i don't tell people stuff because they just don't want to deal with it you know what i mean like i i am very it 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 it, it makes me scattered when i have multiple people to answer yeah. to yeah right like and so i'm kind of like if I need something, I'll ask, right? And and so, and I know who to ask because I know who's not going to <laughs> barrage me <laughs> afterwards. You know, like there are people that, like you said, that you, we have to know why we're doing it. If I just need somebody to hold space, I need to know who to go to hold space for me. Exactly. Who's not going to be the fixer? Who's not going to jump off the edge? Who's not going to whatever? I mean, there's so much that goes into, you know, this, but we can't do it if we don't like, have our awareness of where we're at in our stage of needing or or whatever you know i mean and this is again like it's so deep in the we don't talk about it because a lot of the stuff that happens to us and with us if we bit by bit are able to just kind of let it out because it's not a big deal we we are letting the pressure valve out right so say we'll take your your experience for instance of like if you held all of this in here possibly you withdraw. People start to have their own stories about why you withdraw, but you're doing it because you're trying to protect them. They don't know that because you, you're you not, you know, you're like, you're not telling anybody anything. And then it drops like a bomb on the day that you lose it, right? Like, and it's like this, and everybody's like, what the, f-? like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it 
then it does become the thing that we were afraid of, but we created it, right? So when we're in our awareness, we're kind of like playing that tape through and being like, well, then we do the tiny uncomfortable today. <laughs> so that we don't do the big uncomfortable later. Just be like, I don't need anything from anybody right now. But I do want you to know that this is what's happening because it doesn't feel right not to let you know. And this is yeah. exactly what you did. You were kind of like, I don't need anything right now. Just send me, beam me some love. It's all good. Like this yeah. is, but this is where I'm at. And I will give you more information as, as I need to. And you kind of ease yourself into the eking out information so that it becomes okay. I mean, you've been so okay with your communication at least on, you know, from my end of it, I would be, and it feels like it's because of that, because you're just yeah. kind of like, I don't need to like have a big thing. I just need to dip in, dip out, dip in, dip out. Cause these people are here and I know which people I can do that with. And I know which people I cannot. When, and, and that's exactly my theory around who I told first, because there were certain people, because in the onset of it, I couldn't cope with information. I couldn't cope with people trying to solve my problem. I did not want people to solve my problem. There was no way nobody could solve my problem. And I didn't want information. I didn't want the information that they had because I had to just wrap my head around it and, mm -hmm. and kind of give myself the space and the autonomy of understanding what it meant to me. But it's like, I just needed anchors. I needed the people in my life that I trust deeply that I needed that initial, like, kind of, this is what's happening. I have no answers. And I even set boundaries to certain people. And I'm like, please do not ask me any questions. I don't know. And I absolutely will tell you when I know those things. I needed the help to land in the information first and in the awareness of what was happening. And I know the core people in my life who I needed to tell. And, and, you know, and, and once I told everybody and once I shared the person to the people, you know, even, and thank God, my friend Johan was very respectful. And he's like, to be honest, it's, it made me spiral because I'm really afraid and I'm really scared and I'm really worried about what this means for you. He said, is it okay that I tell my friend, like his, his partner, because he needed support in coping with the information that I gave him. And, and I know, and we're, I'm friends with his partner. So I said, yes, with the caveat to not ask me any questions. I said, because I don't have answers. And when people ask questions of, do you know yet? Do you know yet? Do you know yet? It highlights the fact of having no answers. I needed to stay in a space of Spirit will give me what I need. And, you know, there's a whole other story around what Spirit said and where it played out. But um, I needed to be in my own energy to understand what I needed and to do the things that mattered. Like I called because I didn't hear anything. So I called, you know, hey, do I need to do anything for this referral? They were like, oh, my gosh, we sent it over priority, you know, whatever, whatever. So it was like I made that phone call. And then I made the phone call to the oncologist, like, hey, I just want to make sure you don't need anything from me to set up the consult and whatever. And 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 I did the stuff in my power. And but I was very like, nope, this is gonna play out how it needs to. I allowed oh. myself panic and, and upset when I needed to be, because I'm not denying my feelings. Yeah. But if I had like 20 people emailing me and texting me all day about what's happening, do you know anything yet? How are right. things going? Yeah. Having to tell 20 people, I talked to the oncologist today, like, no, no. It's, it was just, no. I knew I couldn't go. <laughs> like, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100%. I don't have that many people text me in a week. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that's it too. Is the undulation that comes with big deals, you know, with big things that we're like, no, you know what I mean? No, but it's, it's like a big societal thing, right? Like is that we do it all the time. Whenever there's crisis, we rush to the crisis, right? Like it's, and then, and then, and then we pull back and it's like, I don't want people to rush to this crisis. I just don't want people to rush to this crisis. So there's, there's that, that part of us, but it's us knowing why we're doing it. Yes, yes. What is the purpose of this? Like people who are, we, we talk about storytelling, um, a lot because I, I can remember when I first like started my business and being like, all right, what do I got to do here? Like to like get it going. And I was on LinkedIn, which is the worst place possible for someone like me, but there I was. And there was this one person who I'm still connected with now um, in a way, but like, it was like storytelling, storytelling. And he was like, you know, doing great on LinkedIn with storytelling, but nothing was really happening. People liked to hear his story, but like business wise, nothing was really happening. But to me, I was watching that and I was kind of like, people just want to hear what's going on. Like people just want realness. People just like, they're tired of the information that is like stuffy and whatever. They're looking for human information. They're entertained by that, but they're learning through entertainment. And it was like, that was in my head of being like, that is, that is what we all want, right? We are, we, this is why we're watching movies and rom-coms because we're kind of like, that's what I want. You know what I mean? Like, I want that communication. I want that story. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm living for like going through that, that humanness story of it. And I don't have to do anything, right? Like I just have to be entertained by it. And it was like, yeah, that's what, that's the desensitization that we need is that, that we can tell stories and we don't need to rush that we're just there and that we ask questions. Do you need something? No. Okay, great. But a lot of people are out there telling stories because they are in that space we were talking about before of desperation. They're looking for validation. They're looking for like personal validation of themselves. Their ego has kind of, their bruised ego has kind of come in and they're, and they're, they're kind of looking for like, you know, attention and that kind of stuff. And that's what we're talking about. Like you're going to need that endlessly. If that's why you're telling your story, you'll never ever get healed, right? If your only healing is validation from I've told my story and people love it. And I've told my story and people say that it helps them like, okay, but what are we doing with that? Like, how are we receiving the energy exchange of that? Because that's what, that's, that's what is great about storytelling. That's what, when we go back in the day and we talk about generations passing down, they weren't just doing it because they were like, hey, listen to my story, man. Like, you know, it wasn't just like, tell me how great I am or tell me how wounded I am or tell me how much, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what they were doing around the campfires, right? They were like, have some wisdom, man. Like, learn through me. <laughs> like, yeah. learn through me, take it, carry it bring it to you. I'm not doing this because I need something from you. I'm doing this because I'm passing on this information and this wisdom. And I feel like that's like, that's the thing that we've lost. That's the thing that I've been basing basically my entire social media presence on is just being like, dude, just show up and give them, give, give people life, give yeah. them life situations, give them something that you're doing you know, and most of the time I'm not even thinking about like, oh, I've got to share this because people, whatever. I'm just kind of like, ah, eh, somebody out there probably gets this, you know, like, or, you know what I mean? Like somebody out there talked about this and wants to know how to do it. Okay. Well, I'm doing it right now. I'm just going to tell you how I'm doing it because that makes sense to me. I don't 
need the validation that comes with it because it's literally just like, whew, this is an easy way to get some information to some people. This is an easy way for if somebody's going through this for multiple people who might be going through it to get some information, you know? And so I leave that space not needing anything from anybody because I'm handling my situation, right? Like, and I know who to go to for my actual situation handling if I need some help with it. I don't need those people, right? Like, they're they're there as part of the learning the the learning team right um so it's it's a lot more than just you know hey everybody let's tell our stories we have to really know why we're telling our stories and what stories we're 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 putting out there and, and why what, right and because as you were talking you know when when our why is that validation and we get stuck in saying in our stories yeah. We're not allowing our story to evolve and to play out. We're stuck in one scene. We're stuck in that one scene all the time because either we're making money from it or we're being validated for it and we're receiving the love and attention that we seek, but we don't know how else to get it. And we feel if we play the, and I don't want to use the word victim, but it is a mentality of that if I use this story, people will love me and help me and, and be kind to me when I'm not, especially when you're not able to receive that outside of that story and and that's because there there is a was a time in my life where that was the case like i felt i was i prided myself on hyper independence and i didn't know how to create connection and connectivity but when i was in crisis or had a story or had something happen that people were connected to it's like i stayed there i stayed there because i was receiving what i needed that i couldn't allow myself to receive when i wasn't in that story mm -hmm. so that's where we have to be very self-aware of why. What, what is the purpose of the story? And even if we're brain, it's like, yeah, you're sharing it for information. See how you may, are you allowing yourself your story to evolve? Are you finishing the story? Are you working through it? Like there's there were points that sometimes I get stuck in my stories, but then I, all the time, Vanessa, do are we not on here going, so we have new information and this is our new perspective yeah. because we're allowing ourselves to evolve. Yeah. We're allowing new information to come in. We're letting the story play out the way that it's meant to because we don't want to be stuck. We don't, no matter how much validation or experience or connection that receiving in those moments and in those stories, it's not worth staying there because the pain is too difficult to experience being in that story. And I would rather not be in pain and then <laughs> be somewhere else. But you know, the thing of it is, is that the way I handled this diagnosis was, is, is a really, I think it's not to say that people aren't like that, but I think it's not traditional. It's not normal. People hear that C word and, and, and it's not to say that your reaction to that type of diagnosis is wrong or incorrect or the way that you've done it. This is not a shame conversation. This is not telling you that you're doing it wrong. This is to say, be, just have awareness. Okay. Just, just because with the awareness, what comes with awareness is the idea of where you can move forward or heal. Awareness of, oh, I'm needing validation because I'm feeling disconnected. Okay. Like, I need to practice on being connected outside of the story. Yeah, yeah. Because how many times do people say, nobody was around until I was in crisis? Like, yeah. what were you doing before crisis? Yeah. Right? Like, how were you connected? Not to blame you, right? Like, but also to be like, well, everybody has the 
opportunity to be connected. I mean, people are out there everywhere. Yeah. What about the crisis yeah. made you accessible all of a sudden? And is the way you want them to show up in your life not, it's not because they're showing up, but they're not showing up in the way that you want them to, in yeah. the way that you feel is right. So there's many other tangible tentacles to this conversation, but as far as storytelling goes, you know, and, and to complete the, the loop, like when I do find out information, when I do have, like, I have a surgery date now, like I know what's happening. Um, I, I communicated that to everybody. I gave everybody the information that I had because that's what I had. And what I did was, is I outlined the needs that I had. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there are only a couple things I need from any of you. One is, is I need a ride to the hospital because that's my biggest worry in any surgery. Because I live alone, because I understand people work, people have jobs. And I even said that, I say, I'm deeply aware all of you have work and I understand and I have no expectation, but I'm just reaching out for help if you can. And I have an understanding and I mean, made me cry, but I had one of my friends be like, I'm taking off the whole day. I'll be available the whole day for you, whatever it is you need. I was just like, thank you, because I don't expect that. I do that, but yeah. I expect that in others, you know? Yeah. So, so to have that kindness and because I outlined the needs, it gave them the place where they could say, this is what I can, this is how I can help. Yeah, and so it helped me control the things I could control. That's so, I mean, just to close the loop on that, but, and there's another conversation, I think it's in another podcast is, you know, so many of my, in, in the healing circles would be like, well, why don't you just heal it? Like you healed your RA and why are you going for surgery? And so there's different conversations to have about this future later on, because there's specific reasons. And I think it's a good conversation for us to have about talking about when spirituality meets Western medicine, like, what do we do? You know, and, and I think that that's a good one to have and, and because of all being aware, but anyways, I hope we hope we we've inspired you to share your stories, to share when, not just when you're in crisis, but as you go along, the thoughts, the experiences that you have so that the support is always there and the bridge doesn't collapse and you need a crisis story. And we hope that, you know, that, that you understand that the knowledge that you're receiving in your experience is valid and it's valid in whatever space that you're in. And we, you know, we hope that you are encouraged to share your story. So yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear all the stories, every one of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to be like in bed a really long time. So if you could start sharing them like after October 3rd, I'd really be great because then it'd be really good entertainment for me. So thanks. Thanks in advance. Yeah. Hashtag for angel stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you guys. We love you. We hope to see you next week. And uh, remember, mark your calendars alive. Friday the 13th in October, October 13th, we're doing a live, we're interviewing Catherine, we're going to talk about human design and what that means, Vanessa's going to get a little mini reading, we're going to talk about her human design, please join us Friday, October 13th. Yes. Talk to you later, see you next week. Yes, oh yeah. If you were triggered by anything said in this podcast, please dial 911 or go to your local emergency room. 
more deeply understand your unique emotional reaction to today's podcast, I'd love for you to connect with me. You can find me at Vanessa Perry Counselor at gmail.com or at www.vanessaperry.net. And if you wish to take your healing further through energy work or channeling angels or the highest level beings, please reach out to me, Grace, at graceevergreen.com or graceevergreen at outlook.com. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.